Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing fine, All thank right. you. All right. And we want to start uh, with a message uh, and a discussion about something that is so weird when you yeah. think about it. Who, who would have been able to predict this, uh, that, that the Espionage Act would eventually be used against the citizen of Australia? Yeah and be charged with uh, espionage against the U.S. government and be locked up for 10 years without due process and foreign governments doing exactly what we want them to do and uh, the British uh, feel proud of themselves because they have this system of justice and uh, I guess some deserve a little credit because some would have hung them by now. Yeah, but maybe. he's been tortured. I don't think there's any doubt that uh, you know, the whole thing is torture. Matter of fact, that was one of the arguments they've used that uh, why they should not bring him back to or bring him back or send him to the United States is the fact that the conditions would be so bad it would be equivalent to cruel and unusual and a torture. Yeah. But uh, our government said, no, we wouldn't do that. So uh, uh, we didn't do that in Guantanamo or any other place. So don't don't worry about that. But the, I, I just wonder how often it happens where people are so bold to lose, use laws that were designed, what, a couple hundred years ago to protect, uh, you know, internally any problems in the United States and being used against somebody that I, uh, I still believe he's more journalist than spy or anything else, you know. But uh, the thing of it is, if he was breaking somebody's law, why is it why it is our our job to to deal with this anyway we've interfered with it and uh now it looks like they've taken one more step that they're, they're going to uh you, you you know transfer them to to the united states and on extradition orders there are some some uh some more more things the uh friends of assange can do an appeal but uh people are getting a little bit discouraged but it, uh, it is such a shame. You, people could go on, and there are some really good progressives and others who have talked about this and know this case, and yet our government just uh, not, not setting a good standard. You know, I always argue, set a good standard and people will want to emulate us. Yeah. Let me tell you, under these circumstances, this is not one of the things that other people who want to be fair and above board and talk about liberty, they don't want to emulate what we've done with Assange. Yeah, it's a terrible situation, a terrible news that just came out today. And we can put up that first clip actually to show people this is, I think, an AP story. Judge sends Assange extradition decision to UK government. Judge Paul Goldspring, a district judge in the UK, sending the extradition order to Home Secretary Priti Patel. Uh, and she is, of course, a very loyal servant of the empire. So she will, I'm sure, not hesitate to, to execute the order to send Assange, as you say, to the United States to be charged with, let me see it here, 17 charges of espionage and one charge of computer misuse. And what is this all about? And uh, in, in, in actually, <laughs> Caitlin Johnstone, who's, who's a great progressive writer uh, and very much against the, the, the war machine, she had a good piece that literally just came out before the show. And she says, how ironic, you might even say hypocritical, that right as the U.S. is demanding accountability for alleged Russian war crimes in Ukraine, 
The U.S. is also demanding to keep in jail for life the person who exposed U.S. war crimes in Iraq. I just wonder how many, how, how many people, well, no, I don't have to wonder, but the point ought to be made. How many people do, do you think Assange uh, killed? <laughs> you know? They've never proved anything. Zero. Yeah, that, that's yeah. it. And, Zero. Uh, and he is so dangerous. Truth is dangerous to an empire. Yes. And look at how hysterical. This all should be a reflection of how weak these people are. They have to resort to such insanities on saying that we live up to law. We are the champions of democracy and personal liberty and all that garbage they talk about. And uh, so it isn't like a house arrest. I guess in the early years it wasn't quite as bad. But then, uh, you know, the more it lingered and, and the less uh, ability they had to get them into a, an American prison in the United States, uh, the worse the prisons became. You yeah. know, the, the British would capitulate and they'd be not maximum security. And, and they say that if he doesn't get out, there's even one a little worse than the one he's in now. And it's already horrible. And uh, so in, in the United States, uh, theoretically, uh, this is so bad without due process of law that, it, that this is uh, uh, unconstitutional in, in a cruel cruelty. You know, it's not like he was, he was ever even, he's never been even charged for any violence, yeah. you know, and, and yet, and yet they're fearing that and they're, they're hysterical, they're insecure, they want their power and that's the way people work. But this is not unique. This is the way governments uh, work. It's, it's in a way, it's very uh, telling that uh, the empire is a little bit frightened. Yeah. One guy going out there, and I wonder if they've ever proven that he ever told a lie. No! Yeah. The problem is, he's out there telling the truth. He's a real criminal. He's, he wants to undermine, he wants to undermine our liberties. No, he wants to undermine the deep state is what he wanted to do. And what he did was what any journalist, well, used to do before <laughs> journalists became what they are now, but what any journalist used to do, which is you develop sources, uh, that source sends you newsworthy information, and you publish that newsworthy information, whether it's classified or not. You know, we know from the Pentagon Papers, etc., that newspapers publish classified material all the time if it's deemed newsworthy. So he did what any journalist does, but he made the mistake of exposing the crimes of the U.S. government in one particular video called Collateral Murder, where it's shown that U.S. troops uh, knowingly and with pure intent with absolute intent, murdered civilians for fun and laughed about it. So that's what he did. And for that, now you're right, he spent the last 10 years in isolation. Uh, many of them in the, in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. And of course, then the U.S. overthrew the government in Ecuador. And a new government came in and he was arrested. And now he's been in total isolation in Balmarsh prison in the U.K. And I think, you know, that, should, that qualifies as torture. If you are in solitary confinement, for 19 to three years now, to me that would be that would be torture. Yeah. You know, some wouldn't and could make the argument, but why are the British so subservient to the United States? We say boo, and they jump and do whatever we tell them. You know, whether we need troops and and shenanigans going on in Syria or in Ukraine or whatever, the British just roll over and do it. But you know, they're not being subservient. I think. Maybe they consider themselves now part of us, you know, yeah. one, one segment uh, of the world empire. 
And uh, so therefore, uh, you, you know, they, they wouldn't see it quite that way, but you'd think some, somebody in the British Empire or the, in, in the United Kingdom yeah. somewhere would think, you know, what was so terrible about having an entity still called England, you yeah. know, and, and the, the rights of Englishmen. But uh, that's, that's sort of been brushed aside, and that is not the issue. The big issue is maintaining order and the order is to be run by people who have a lot of power, control of weapons, and they've run up against some problems now. But at the same time, there's the conflict between NATO and Russia going on in a hot war sense. Uh, right now, uh, it's a pe people that uh, are dealing with a case like this, which has a lot of meaning and is very, it, it's just not uh, an interesting story. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is a real tragedy. Well, you know, we talked before the show about American politicians and who would stand up for him. Uh, you know, and there's, there's really no courage in the House of Representatives or in the Senate. Uh, certainly the conservatives, you know, they want to see him rot because he undermines our security by exposing what our troops are doing overseas. And we normally would have had some progressives to take uh, his side because progressives have talked about, you know, free expression and free press. But they have been trained over the past several years to hate Russia more than they love freedom and more than they love freedom of the press. And so the lie that has been told over and over that Assange got his information from the Russians, total lie, but it's sunk in like all the other Russiagate lies. It's sunk in, it's infused into the minds of much of the left, not all of it, but much of it that there's no one to speak up for him now. That's right. Uh, this antagonism, whether it's over Assange or what's going on in uh, Ukraine, uh, none of it makes any sense to us, at least. But uh, the, the, the people go along with it because of this uh, chanting about, well, patriotism and uh, national security, defending liberty, defending our Constitution, all this, and the people buy into those are nice words. And uh, you always have to quit using them because they may think you're using them like they do. But uh, some of the most nauseating things for me to watch is for one of our elected leaders in high position in the U.S. Congress getting up and sanctimoniously say that our, our wonderful goals are to protect our liberties and our Constitution. And I had been there for a couple years and they incessantly did whatever they could to undermine the very thing they're claiming. That's why we need to hope and pray that the American people will wake up and uh, maybe we can help them do that. Yeah, demand some, some actual justice. Remember Trump on the campaign trail over a hundred times he said, I love WikiLeaks, I love WikiLeaks. Once he was president, he didn't do anything uh, to... to uh, Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, and did the media ever ask him about the inconsistency? No, no. no, no that one. That was a, that's a serious inconsistency. It could be a negative political thing. And if they don't like him, why don't they pick him on that? That means all this internationalism is is you know very bipartisan. Yeah. Well, let's talk about money a little bit, Dr. Paul. Let's put up this next clip. It's another week and another eight hundred million dollars to Ukraine. Uh, and you and I both did the same thing. We thought we were in Groundhog Day because every time we wake up every week, there's another $800 million being sent over there. Uh, but we did the double checking and Dave DeCamps got the story in antiwar.com. President Biden is prepared to announce a new massive military aid package for Ukraine that will be about the same size as the previous $800 million one, Reuters reported. <laughs> I got to dig out my program from last week yeah. because I start off with Daniel. I asked Daniel, 
Is it really another one? Yeah. It's a print misprint. Now they're doing it again. Another it's hardly one. a week later. They're they're bringing that up. And uh, but but they have a lot of money. Yeah, and the money comes easy, and it doesn't seem to to hurt anything. The businesses seem to be doing well, and there's profits being made. And but there's uh, there's a little concern about. Uh, the consequence of this being uh, rising prices because yeah. this stuff is being paid for, you know, with paper money, fiat money. And the ultimate uh, ruin of a system like that is rising prices and rebellion among the people. And uh, I, I think that we're well into that, but really basically uh, at the beginning and beginning of it because it's going to get much worse before it's all over. And again, the question is, is there anyone in the House, aside from Thomas Massey, and I haven't seen anything specific, but I know he'd question it. Is there anyone in the House that questions us giving a weekly check of $800 million to Ukraine, uh, you know, essentially sending weapons worth $800 million? Is there anyone who'll stand up and say, hang on a minute, this is starting to add up to be real money if we keep doing this week after week? But, but this total goes over three, $3 billion. Yeah, over $3 billion. Yeah, yeah. And here's, you know, this is actually another quote. You, you read some quote from Raytheon CEO yesterday. Here's one I came across that in the context of this 800 million and last week's and last week's 800 million, this is, uh, this makes a lot of sense. Let's put up this next one if you can. Here's Raytheon CEO Greg Hayes. He says, and he's almost, you can almost hear his hands rubbing together. Everything that's being shipped into Ukraine today, of course, is coming out of stockpiles, either at <laughs> DOD or from our NATO allies. And that's all great news. Eventually, we'll have to replenish it, and we'll see a benefit to the business. Oh, that is wonderful. They don't I even mean, try to hide they're it. Thinking about, they're, they're worrying about their employees having a good living. Yeah. yeah. So they're doing their Lord's work on that. But, you know, they talk about the heavy artillery, and I'm not an expert on heavy artillery, but evidently that's a significant event, that it's getting bigger and heavier and more. But then they mention rounds and i sort of have an idea what the rounds of ammunition yeah, yeah. and is and they're sending there forty thousand rounds that's a lot of bullets yeah. right it made that and that, that means they can be launching that for a week or two and then they'll say give us another forty thousand yeah, at, yeah. at the rate they're going but the fact of the matter is that the reality on the ground in ukraine is that these weapons will never see battle because the troops the ukrainian military is stuck in the eastern part in the donbass area and you can't get it from lvov to there because Russia controls all the airspace. We know just a few days ago that Russians blew up several arms depots around Lvov and, and blew them all up. So, but you know, that this is the sick thing, is these guys like the CEO, they don't care. If we, we ship some things in, they all get blown up. We ship some more in, they get blown up. It's perfect. It's like Chuck Spinney's self-licking ice cream cones. Just they, keep they going. Never, they never ask, did, did an innocent person die? You know, and both sides, they're dying. Yeah. And, and that is secondary to what these people are talking about. I mean, it, it is, it used to be it wasn't so open and blunt. Yeah. I mean, their, their, their willingness to put it out on the table. We're dealing in profits. Yes. And that's what we want. Openly. You know, uh, it's, um, it's a real tragedy. And the attitude has to change. That people aren't going to change until the people's attitudes change. And, and that's where we see hope at times because i think the people's attitudes has changed and uh, and uh, you know dealing with covid and policies have started to change uh in a direction that we want it to be but it 
but we really haven't changed. Uh, we the hopes that I personally had was the end of the Cold War. Yeah, and we did see some definitely some benefits. I mean, we, we were killing each other like in the Korean War, uh, killing the Chinese and they, they killing us, and then uh, we uh, uh, we were doing doing this for years and years, but now. Uh, you, you know, it, it, it doesn't look like it's stopping. It looks like we've stepped way back. We started trading with China, doing that. Oh, that, you're one of those guys. That's why they're so far ahead. No, they might be far ahead from us because they sold us junk and we gave them paper <laughs> money and they and they acted more capitalistic than, than some of our companies did and, uh, and they couldn't compete with them, so they had to blame them. Same thing with Russia. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, they, they are far from laissez-faire, but boy, I'll tell you what, it's a lot better than what the Soviet system was like because uh, they talked, the tragedies we talk about now are horrendous, but what about the tragedies of what the Soviet system did over the years? Millions of people starved on purpose, and some of that stuff is still going on. So unnecessary, and uh, I, I, my dream of us setting a, a good example for the world uh, it doesn't seem to be on the horizon. Yet it, it, there was a, was a token bit of that in our early history because uh, we had a much our country had a much better understanding what personal liberty is about, and others wanted to follow us. Sometimes they didn't do a very good job, and sometimes we didn't cling to the concepts of liberty, and it's and and that's where we are now. The decisions being made here in the next decade on just which way we're going to go, the understanding and the improvement on the protection of liberty, or are we going to just cave in and have the whole world in chaos? And let's just hope and pray that uh, it isn't uh, a conflict between picking on a country that has more nuclear weapons than anybody else and uh, and then us backing up uh, all these uh, coups that are going around the world because the resentment is building and the concern about the dollar being the reserve currency we're more resentment against that all the time well you mentioned russia and china doing better and i think one of the main reasons is that they don't waste a trillion dollars a year on the military they spend a tiny fraction <laughs> yeah, of that right. you know we could probably spend 90 percent less <clears throat> on defense of america and be a lot richer and a lot better off. But the, the next, the, our third segment is going to be about the consequences of this massive, massive shipment of weapons into Ukraine. And this is from CNN. Let's put this, uh, let's put this up. What happens to weapons sent to Ukraine? The U.S. doesn't really know. And the, this is incredible. They have no idea where these are going. Put on this next clip because this is from that article. This is a quote. Quote, we have fidelity for a short time, but when it enters the fog of war, we have almost zero, said one source briefed on US intelligence. It drops into a big black hole and you have almost no sense of it all at all after a short period of time. Does nobody else on earth wonder if this is a great idea to send billions and billions of dollars worth of weapons into a black hole? You know, I've talked about this for as long as I've been in Congress because 
this was always going on and probably always will. Where, where, where do the weapons go? And I would make statements trying to make the point. I said, you know, you should be more cautious because some of these weapons may end up, uh, it's, they're supposed to help the, our friends and help the good guys. Yeah. I said, they may end up in the hands of people that are killing Americans. And it wasn't too long after I started making those comments, there's always an incident of this, you know, and it's, it's just that uh, it, it's, a, it's a business for them. And we've had so many quotes here for people who run these uh, large corporations for arms, how, 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 how gr great they feel about this. This is, you know, this is good business. We're doing yeah. well. We're going to be able to, you, you know, make more profits. And, and, and they don't, they're not bashful at all. You yeah. know, they, they, have, they have no remorse whatsoever, no matter how much back, uh, uh, backfiring there would be and how many people may die of because of these policies. Well, you know, I spend a lot of time watching videos of what's going on over there because I'm, I'm very, very fascinated by it. Uh, on, on all sides. But here's the real supreme irony. I have seen many, many clips of Russians using captured American and British weapons given to the Ukrainians. They give them with instructions in Ukrainian, in Russian, so they read them, and you can see them using the Enla anti-tank missiles. I've seen clip after clip. So we're actually providing weapons for Russians to kill Ukrainian military, uh, and nobody seems to care, you know, that yeah. this is happening. Yep, it's oh, a horror. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna do a blast from the past uh, because this is important. If we can if we can run this next clip or, or just show the next clip, flashback. This is 2015, but it's talking about something that happened back when Benghazi. Remember Benghazi? Flashback. Rand Paul asks Hillary Clinton about arms smuggling from Benghazi to ISIS. This is when we overthrew the Libyan government, and there were tons and tons and tons of weapons we gave to the rebels there and they promptly smuggled them and gave them to ISIS in Iraq and Syria. And here's a transcript, uh, uh, part of the transcript, that, that next clip of Senator Paul. My question, is the U.S. involved in, with any procuring of weapons, transfer of weapons, buying, selling, anyhow transferring weapons to Turkey out of Libya? And she says, I've never heard of that before, da 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 da, -da. And then Senator Paul follows up. It has been in news reports that ships have been leaving from Libya and they might have weapons. What I would like to know is the annex that was close by in Benghazi. Were they involved with procuring, buying, selling, obtaining weapons, and were any of these weapons being transferred to other countries, to other countries, Turkey included? And she said, uh, you'll have to ask the agency, whatever, as they usually say. But it's a very important point because shortly after the Libya situation, we saw these arms in the hands of ISIS being used to kill Syrians and even to shoot at Americans and kill Americans. So here we are over and over again, and it's just a few months ago that we saw the same thing happen in Afghanistan. We walked away from billions of dollars worth of weapons. They're now on the international arms market. You know, the goal when we go over to these places is kill, kill the head guy. You know, get, get Saddam Hussein. We've yeah. got to kill him and everything will be okay. Assad has to go, and uh, he doesn't go, but uh, we still have, have, have problems. And it was during this episode, uh, I don't know whether what happened in that hearing, but I think that's when, and I'm paraphrasing what Hillary said, uh, we came, we saw, he died, yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, but the worst part was her giggling afterwards. Yeah, and uh, it, it um, you know, if you want to stir up hatred, 
and 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 to have this total misunderstanding of what's going on, it's uh, it's almost like diplomacy is the greatest sin in the world yeah. is to actually talk to them. And right now they're uh, they're they're ganging up on uh, on the Olympics. You know uh, they're going to make sure Russia never can send anybody there. And if you had to give up everything else, you ought to have more sports. Yeah. Because uh, young people who like to play sports are not exactly interested. In, you know, they want to compete and they want to beat their opponents, but they don't want to kill their opponents. And and that's why that that is what uh, they're they're doing uh, in a way by by preventing this and providing the these conditions, which means means more conflict rather than getting along with people. The question is, are the Europeans really this stupid? And maybe they are, but they have let in millions of people from the Middle East with very, very little requirements or checking on their backgrounds. So you've got millions of people from the Middle East. Many of them may well be sympathizers with extremist groups. You do that and then you flood the entire area with weapons. Are the Europeans really not concerned about terrorism coming to their soil? Uh, after doing this, I mean, it could certainly come to the U.S. as well, but we're a little bit insulated because of the oceans. But the Germans, uh, the French, aren't they concerned with their massive population of people from that part of the world? And then add weapons and add more anger and resentment. This is a recipe for disaster. And then if there's a little bit of chaos for those individuals that we've been giving weapons to, then we say, well, we, we can handle your overflow, uh, and uh, why don't we fix it so you can go to Mexico for a while and then come over? And now the numbers are growing, and, and I don't know what the numbers are, but I believe many of these reports showing there's a lot of violent people coming over because of their being rewarded. And that's been my whole argument on, on immigration. It's like I, I don't like walls and this sort of thing, but I don't like subsidies to uh, bring people over and not even uh, be identified. Uh, it's it's, self, uh, it's uh, suicidal to do that. It's almost suicidal when you have, this is off the topic, I mean, I'm drifting. It's almost suicidal to allow people to vote and they don't have to even identify themselves. Yeah. Anybody can vote as much as they want and whenever yeah. and, then, and then think that everybody's going to be happy. So that's I mean, the way to destroy a country. I mean, who thought, hey, heck, I got a good idea. Let's take some super violent people and let's give them weapons, <laughs> military grade weapons. Yeah, it just boggles them. Right. Mind. Well, I'm going to close out with another reminder. I'm going to put up the picture again because I like this picture. This is of our conference in June. The Biden Doctrine, New World Order, or Nuclear Armageddon. And if all else, if all comes together properly, uh, my fingers are crossed because we had a problem last time, but tomorrow we will have as our guest on the program our first announced speaker. And usually you make the announcement of the speakers to push ticket sales, but I have to say right now we've sold about seven in ten tickets that are available, so we're, I don't think we're going to have a lot of problems. The only problems we're probably going to have is people not being able to get a hold of tickets. So. Get those tickets, come see us in June, talk about some of the stuff we've been talking about, and we're gonna bring along some great friends with great insights, uh, very cute, up, very plugged in uh, to what's happening, and it's just gonna be a great event. 
And uh, you have not revealed the name of this individual? Not yet, not yet, not yet. Oh, boy, I better be careful <laughs> because I do know that he's an expert in a lot of things that we've been talking about, how we interpret, uh, you know, the propaganda war. So, yeah. uh, and, and how you could possibly get into trouble if you tell the truth. And, you know, a lot of the people we have on here, they do tell the truth. And a lot of them get into trouble, too. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I do want to thank our viewers for tuning in today because I... I believe it's so necessary to get the support, and I sure hope to see a lot of you at our convention this year.